Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 111, released on March 26, 2014. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, Steve. You know, show 111 to a lot of people is 111 or 111. Yeah, most people, including <laughs> but, me. It just sounded, you know, Steve, it just sounded cool. 111. Steve, Steve, let's take it down a different path to keep you guys Guessing. on your toes. You <laughs> yeah. know? You got to be sharp to listen to this show. That's right. Now, uh, talking about sharp, uh, I believe you've just come back from New York City as we're recording this. Absolutely. We're recording a little bit later than anticipated. We had planned about an hour ago or a little more than that uh, because I went to New York City to see a show. Uh, my mother took a trip to uh, Florida, lucky her, because we still got winter type weather. It was snowing on our way home a little bit, even though we're technically in our spring here yeah. just a, as of two days ago. So it's cold outside. It was windy today. Uh, my mom went to Florida, so my dad bought some tickets to a Broadway show. And uh, my brother and I and my sister and my dad went to see Rocky, the musical. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, you wouldn't expect that that would even be ripe for musical <laughs> territory uh, as the audience for musicals generally aren't necessarily boxing fans. Although, <laughs> you know, I tried to tell my sisters for years that Rocky's not really story. a boxing movie as much as um you know the walking dead isn't really a show about zombies right. they're there and boxing is there but it's really a love story and it's about the characters and it's about inspiration and mm. so and it really really trans translated really well to stage we watched the movie yesterday to kind of get in the mood mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they use most of the same lines and uh the guy playing rocky does a great uh rocky i mean he is rocky and you go in cool. thinking well who could be rocky other than yeah, sylvester yeah. stallone but so it was really good. So uh, all you people out there, if you're wondering, that's my uh, I'm not going to give a review here because this is our Superman show. But that's my short review. I want to go see it. I would go and see it again tomorrow. So Very cool. uh, great show. Great Excellent. time. Good to know. Well, let's get into our discussion topics about Superman. Uh, we usually start with movie news and movie topics. Um, you and I spoke a little bit about this on Radio KAL Live when you filled in for Michael Bailey not that long ago. Um, about uh, DC Comics, Warner Brothers going head-to-head -head with a Marvel superhero movie for the release date of the Superman-Batman film, uh, which is May 6, 2016. And it still hasn't been confirmed as of this time, but we are led to believe that the film that will be going head-to-head -head with the same release date from Marvel is the third Captain America film. Uh, did you want to just... Any, any extra thoughts on what we had spoken about previously? Well, I haven't been back onto the website since we had that discussion. Has it been confirmed at all, or are no. we still just going on the speculation that it will be or may be Captain America? Yeah, it's still just the Hollywood Reporter um, report saying that that was what it would be. Um, obviously, uh, it's you know Captain America 2, what is it, Winter Soldier, is only just coming out in the, in the theaters now, so... I guess it's uh, not really uh, time for them to announce it. Maybe Comic-Con, we might hear something more solid. Do you have the uh, Captain America out now uh, where you are? Yes. Uh, we don't open till April 4th on that, which is still about two weeks away, I guess. Oh, well, I've seen the advertising for it, so I imagine probably about the same time. I actually haven't seen, okay. uh, seen it. Um, I've gone to the cinema to see it, so... 
So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that movie. You know, uh, a lot of people kind of give me a hard time that if it's not Superman, then I just am going to be negative about it. And that's not true. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first Captain America but was disappointed because I, I expected a lot more for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to this one. And, and by everything I'm hearing, it's getting fantastic reviews. So, so maybe by the time we would reach Captain America 3, it will be at a point where it could uh, give Superman, Batman, whatever we're seeing some competition you know some people are are saying and i think you even said in your write-up and i agreed with you that captain america is a much lower tiered hero than superman and now you got superman and batman and wonder woman which seems to be kind of a precursor to a possible coming together of the justice league which just seems a lot bigger than one captain america movie but if this movie is as great as a lot of the reviews that i've heard about are, are saying that it is we're already on the second movie, which will be bigger than the first, and then the third movie will be bigger still because word of mouth and more people seeing the second one, and also the second one's out after Avengers, and Avengers was really large, and a lot of people who didn't see the original Captain America now are vested in the character because of the Avengers movie. So we could have quite a good bout here, speaking of boxing mm. matches, uh, you know, between these two movies, if in fact Captain America 3 is the movie that's coming out. The other thing I wanted to say was, and on a lot of my great Scott um, discussions, it seems as though I'm extremely negative about the idea of a Superman slash Batman movie. But I do want to say, obviously, and I do feel this way, it's extremely epic and exciting and something that most of us probably never thought we would see, much like Avengers was, a multiple team hero movie with the two and possibly three big superheroes from DC in Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. I'm just not ultimately a Batman fan, although I love all superheroes. So the fact that the reason that it's negative to me, and I've mentioned this before, but just to make it stand out even more, is because I was hoping for a further Adventures of Superman story without trying to muddy it up. And the idea that we'll never be sure unless we see a separate adventure later whether or not a super a Man of Steel sequel would have been as big as now this will be because Batman's also involved. Uh, but it's still this amazing thing that I don't think anybody thought would happen. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think it really um, helps either company to have a release date of those two of two any two superhero movies on the same date because uh, regardless of who wins in the box office, ultimately both will suffer in some capacity. Um, you know, most movies, you know, big movies uh, or most films, when they see that there is a big movie being released on the same weekend, will shy away from that uh, release date in the hopes of, you know, of capturing uh, their own audience and, and not uh, necessarily, uh, you know, being kicked in the teeth a little bit from a bigger movie that most, if not all people who go to the movies will go see instead. So um, I guess, you know, while Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman would outdo Captain America on his own in a uh, you know, monetary sense, uh, neither company would get uh, the financial benefits of being on a standalone weekend on their own. So I'm um, waiting to see who blinks first. Well, I think speculation now, though, is that Marvel doesn't care because mm. Marvel has been so successful in the movie realm that that they would much rather hurt the receipts that weekend of the thing DC is banking all of their future plans on 
then worry about should we move so that our particular movie does well. They know it's going to do well enough just based on the fans from from Winter Soldier and from the original and from Avengers. They have so much built up in this, which goes back to what I've always been saying, and that is that I think DC needs to do more legwork. They try to take the lazy, easy way out by just rushing things together and rushing characters together when they haven't done, you know, they seem to want to have Marvel's success, and Marvel has taken that time to build that success and done did what needed to be done. And this is a company that went bankrupt, and the comics weren't selling well enough for them, and they had – I don't know if they had some mismanagement or whatever they had. But then when they came back with the movies, they came back really strong. And now, of course, Disney owns them. So I believe where Marvel can go in the films – and, and in the future is has an endless ceiling now. Um, once Disney gets involved in it, you know, and DC and Warner's doesn't have that. So I believe they need to work even harder than than Marvel does, especially at this point. Marvel's already got so much built-in audience and so much of their universe kind of labeled out for us. And they got more shows coming to Netflix later on. And they have uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although I don't know how well that's doing in the ratings anymore. I didn't like it, so I couldn't stick with it. But uh, I, I think that it would ultimately hurt the DC movie more even if DC still makes more money that weekend. And it's questionable based on the sequel of Winter Soldier getting so much positive press now that Man of Steel itself didn't get. Man of Steel was more to the negative for the most part in reviews and in fans and in critiques. Uh, and of course, Captain America hasn't come out yet, but based on everything I'm hearing, everything is really leaning toward the positive with it. And because DC wants this to be huge and expects it to be the next Titanic, if it's not, just like with Man of Steel, a lot of people saying it wasn't what they wanted, even though we don't really know that, that's still just speculation, they're going to have the same kind of an issue and then they're still in the same boat. Where do we go from here? How do we beat Marvel? What's going to happen? So I think the idea that most people are seemingly on the side that DC will be the one who blinks probably has a lot more logic to it simply because it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt marvel as much as it will dc mm -hmm. even if dc still wins that week yeah interesting point um as far as positive buzz for the second captain america movie before it's even released we had the same kind of thing for man of steel there's a lot of positive buzz before that came out so uh audiences especially superhero audiences can be a fickle bunch we'll wait and see how that ends up uh all right looking elsewhere Michael Wilkinson, the costume designer for Man of Steel, and he's won uh, and been, you know, nominated for various awards for different other films. Uh, he's on the sequel or the follow-up film with uh, Superman and Batman in it, and confirms that uh, he will be obviously has designed the Superman and uh, the Batman costume and the Wonder Woman costume. But for us, uh, he confirmed that there is some tweaking for the Superman costume, and that we may get to see some pictures in the coming month. Uh, now, are we confirmed based on this story? You know, I, of course, know because, uh, as everyone knows, I'm extremely well versed in everything that has happened, and I never miss a story on Superman. <clears throat> <clears throat> but um, do we know for sure that he has and finished designing the Wonder Woman and Batman costumes? Well, he said he in uh, or is designing. No, in interviews with the uh, at certain press events and jump press junkets and things that he's done, and he did a one-on-one Q and A, -on -one &A uh, a recent um, thing in LA. He uh, confirmed that they've had photo shoots. Um, I think they weren't necessarily with the 
character, the actors themselves, but they were on, um, you know, uh, mannequins or what have you. So the costumes have been designed. They've taken photos of them and everything like that. Um, so it's done as far as he's concerned. And, um, you know, whether or not there are minor tweaks still left to be done, but they've been designed, they've been built, they've been created, they've been sewn together, whatever they do. And uh, there's been photos, you know, of them. And he obviously has photos of them, but um, they haven't been released as yet. And what is the, do we have any idea, a uh, hint as to what the tweak is, or did he just say there will be some changes minor to the costume? Yeah, he just said there will, I, there will be tweaks to the Superman costume, that word tweaking, um, whether that means colours, some change in the design, some something, who knows, I don't know. I, I would like to see maybe a brighter blue, definitely a brighter yellow in the S and the, in the chest, uh, but beyond that, I was actually pretty happy with the costume. Yeah, I actually liked it. Uh, you could go brighter, but uh, you know, in that scene in Smallville in the street, it seems super bright and super blue, and the yellow is vibrant in that particular scene. I think a lot of it was the lighting and where mm -hmm. they were and when they wanted it to look that color. You know, a lot of it is decisions, uh, not even necessarily how it accidentally happened to look. Yeah, yeah. The idea that he was the stand-up guy in a small town and he was wearing sort of patriotic colors and the flag was nearby and things were going on like that, they may have purposely – I'm I'm certain they did wanted the costume colors to stand out much better there than when they were in the ashen streets of Metropolis and the dark battles and dark times of the film toward the uh, toward the end part. So uh, I think clearly, uh, based on two different scenes, there there are colors present there and they are kind of bright and can be kind of bright. But one thing that I might tone back on a bit is the metallic look that the suit mm -hmm. had in mm -hmm. those Smallville scenes. It yeah. seemed to be shiny. Um, to, uh, you know, uh, like armor, which maybe that's what they were going for as well. And uh, I, I also like the idea of, you know, we're going to go with that word speculation again. I'm sure everybody's like, oh, I wonder if they're going to put the shorts on there. Um, so, you know, just putting that out there, hey, you know, maybe we're going to see uh, some shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting because we do know that the Superman costume in Man of Steel are basically the undergarments of... Uh, the Kryptonian Society and then the, their armor and what have you go on top of that. Um, so, Which is hilarious yeah. just in and of itself <laughs> based on the whole irony of the underwear situation that's on the right. outside. Not only now does, his entire suit is underwear. That's right. Not only does he wear his, <laughs> his underwear on the outside, his whole suit is underwear indeed. Uh, so that's what's happening with the costumes. We'll wait and see uh, how soon we do get to see some photos of uh, all three costumes, Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, being created and designed by Michael Wilkinson. You know what I'd like to see, and I don't know that they're that that they're savvy enough to do this uh, for a publicity photo that's that's two years before the release. It's probably just going to be some dark photo that might be behind the scenes thing of something going on or the mannequins or whatever or maybe just drawings but um i'd like to i'd love to see the uh famous somewhat famous pretty well known shot of Wonder Woman with the sword. Uh, Superman in the center, I believe, and Batman on the other side, kind of back to back to back. Um, I, I believe it's from the waist up. I, I think it's a shot. It might be by Michael Turner, or, um, but perhaps not. I think it was used for the relaunch of the Justice League before the new 52. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but no, if they, I've kind of picture it in my head. If they did a shot like that purposely to kind of mimic that cover mm. and that poster and that shot, that in their new cool. costumes and for this new movie and the, kind of setting the stage for the idea of the DC Trinity, the big three, 
would be really, really neat. But uh, uh, so if you're listening out there, do that. <laughs> yes, and uh, put Scotty's name as the credit for that idea. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Now uh, we have had some updates in regards to you know the filming. Uh, you know we we thought that the movie would be already underway in both Yorkville and. Uh, Michigan uh, doing some filming, but obviously with the pushback of the release date, things are a little bit down the track in as far as the schedule is concerned. Uh, but we have a confirmation from, uh, I think it's the Michigan Film Office, that there is filming uh, happening at this, uh, what was, used to be a Girl Scouts campground. Uh, and it's now been uh, you know, no longer uh, used, and they're building a house there on the lake. And they're filming there in, I believe it's probably the middle of your spring. So, uh, actually, was it originally they said mid-May, but then they that kind of got updated uh, in the report that I saw, and they're saying now a middle of spring. So, uh, I guess what would that be, April, May? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I would say mid-May is um, is pretty much the middle of spring, yeah. anyway, or, or around that. So yeah, it's either a little earlier. I don't think you could go much later and still say you're in the middle of spring. You'd be nearing the end uh, of spring at that point. So it would have to be earlier or around the same time as originally announced. But let me first say that I hate camping, and second, <laughs> I, I like a cabin by the lake. That does sound very nice. So a house by the lake, whatever it is, cabin. Um, is a better for me is better suited than than a campground. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm interested, and I, I'm sure uh, we've talked about this before. I'm sure a lot of other people are interested to know what's going to go on at this cabin and 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 uh, why uh, such a remote kind of location for the film. Yeah, and uh, also we know that the Kent farmhouse in Yorkville, Illinois, has been rebuilt. Uh, it was torn down at the end of Man of Steel. Uh, to, uh, you know, just because that's what they do with film location shoots. And now it's been rebuilt to specs and is ready to go for filming to begin there in uh, in probably around the same time, I imagine. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not the house uh, is rebuilt to its uh, proper, you know, finished, re- well, re-renovated form because of the fact that it did get a little bit destroyed in Man of Steel with uh, Zod throwing a car into the to the lounge room. I think it would be really neat if, you know, in a continuation of the type of hero and person that Clark is, and I've seen this kind of sequence in shows like Lois and Clark, in, in Smallville, and in comics over and over again, little blurry multiple versions of him in multiple different locations throughout the Kent homestead doing multiple repairs uh, in, in a multiple multiply shot multiple scene sequence as he repairs his home and uh and i think that would be an interesting way to do it if they if they filmed you know how they do some of those um time sequenced yeah, yeah. buildings things where you see something being built yep. they could kind of do that and then add effects of henry cavill appearing at different various places as things get larger and larger and more built again if you're listening <laughs> use it Use that idea. <laughs> so there we have it. Just some uh, updates on what's happening. Uh, the NBC saying that Mich- uh, in Michigan saying that uh, the uh, vacant campgrounds there are in, uh, I think it's Camp Metamora was what it was called, off Cayley Road near Flint, Michigan, is where they're uh, filming. 
uh, and uh, construction crews have been seen there and all the kind of big stuff that goes on with building a location has uh, been done and um, we'll wait and see if we can get some you know some of those paparazzi kind of photos people some fisherman on the lake with his uh, high photo you know telephoto lens and you know pretending he's fishing but he's really a paparazzi you know taking photos and mm. and uh, you know seeing what's going on there at Otsukita Lake you know we've talked way. about this uh, before but I don't remember if I went this way with it so I'm going to mention it again now mm. and that is you know, all these delays and the fact that it was too cold to start filming at one point and, that, and that's another delay and now they have to go 10 weeks, but 10 weeks doesn't help them, so then they have to go a year. And the idea that they're rebuilding the Kent house and that they're kind of getting their whole world back together, a world that they already had, a building that they already had, corn that they had to grow. The idea of the Richard Donner method of filming two movies uh, together back to back not only do the heroes look the same not only do are you able to use all the costumes without having to spend more money on anything but but obviously you have all your sets and you have all your locations mm -hmm. and you're getting things done and you're not having all these delays obviously they weren't prepared for that but that then takes me back to how prepared and how well thought out marvel has been and the, the, the idea that it just seems like they shot themselves in the foot here by coming out so quickly. Yes, we're doing another Superman movie and it's going to be next summer. And then two years now and, and we're having to rebuild all these things. And they talk about budgets running way out of control and things costing so much money. And the idea that even almost $700 million was somewhat disappointing to the fact that they need to change up their whole idea for the next film. But But the more money you spend and the more things you have to rebuild and the more time you have to spend redesigning things – the more money you're going to spend. <laughs> you're right. And I guess uh, these days with things like the computer-generated graphics that they have, you know, things like corn and what have you that would maybe, you know, were need to have been grown in previous things may not necessarily need to be done anymore if it's only a very quick, uh, you know, scene somewhere in a... Um, you know, in a, a fleeting shot at the Kent farm, they may be able to do it graphically, like you know, and not have to worry about growing things. But they did build the movie, the the the, the Kent farmhouse again, and I guess these things are uh, probably easier these days. But I don't know. But you're right. There, you know, there are there is something to uh, being better planned to uh, you know know that there are sequels coming down the track. But I guess it was a wait and see approach, just to see how Man of Steel did before they went ahead with the sequel. I think that Martha should be moved in and shacked up with Ben Hubbard for the sequel. What do you think? <laughs> Going down that road again, huh? <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't, I, was that not an original idea? I thought I just came up with that. Idea. Yes, you're, going, you're full of ideas today. I certainly am. So if you're listening out there. You can use that. Don't, 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 don't use, use that. that one. Oh, That's okay. a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Righto. Okay, well, uh, elsewhere. Speaking of good ideas. Yes, Jeremy Irons has been talking about his uh, being cast as Alfred for the uh, new movie. Yeah, I was. I think. Look, most people are happy with Jeremy Irons being cast as Alfred. Who who knows how much of a role Alfred has in the movie? But I know you're a big fan of this piece of casting. But what caught most people's yeah. attention from this particular interview that Absolute Radio, Radio managed to grab with him uh, was his mention of the script he says that the script isn't entirely finished he's read a script but he doesn't think it's finalized yet 
Uh, that may just be that he's read a, an earlier version of it. It may be finalised. We don't know. But it's interesting that most people caught that snippet from the interview and ran with it. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that that should be an almost unwritten absolute. I mean, we're so far away from the movie. We're so far away from any, any uh, you know, serious filming going on. There would be some filming going on in some cabin by a lake in a few months. But, uh, you know, so, so it makes sense that they're just not ready yet. You know, and there's a delay. And the script's not done. The other thing is, um, you know, you all think about big actors and big names and people who are famous just kind of having to say yes or no over the phone and 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 uh, and, and then not have to audition and not have to read for anyone. And, and the idea that they could look at a script because they want to, well, if you're rich and made, just gonna, I mean, I don't do anything unless I really almost could know everything. But the idea that they're even kind of kept in the dark and have to make their decision, you know, these bigger names, these people who have won awards, these people who are acclaimed across the world, have to kind of accept going in that they're not going to know everything. And, and maybe not even when they're filming will they know everything. You know, it's kind of kind of reminds me of Empire Strikes Back where the actors didn't know um no spoiler alert, uh, that Darth Vader was going to be uh, Luke Skywalker's father and that they were all surprised that their responses to that on camera were so much more authentic because of that. And the fact that even name actors don't necessarily get that knowledge beforehand is kind of reassuring to me in a world where information is readily available almost instantaneously upon it being released. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite interesting to, to hear him say that. Um I know with Man of Steel, most of the actors weren't allowed to get a copy of the script if they were, you know, if they were cast in the role or auditioning for the role or whatever it was. I think most of them would, would be cast in the role at this point in time. They were, you know, put into a locked room where the script had to stay. They got to read it there, and they weren't allowed to take it with them. So they're very tight-lipped and, and keeping everything their cards close to their chest with these big movies. Um, and uh, you know, so. Jeremy Irons has read a script. He didn't think it was finished as yet. Maybe it was only part of the script that he was shown, or the parts that he was going to be in that were shown to him. We don't know. He, um, and you know, maybe he doesn't even know. So I don't think that's really a major big deal at this point in time. And speaking of not being able to see it with you, you know, one of my first plays as a student in high school, you know, I'm a big actor. A lot of been in a lot of plays was called "You Can't Take It With." And it was a play about a rich guy who uh, uh, was with stuffy and kind of thought his money was going to be all that mattered forward in the future. He had to learn in the future that he couldn't take it with him. And, and uh, speaking of theater, speaking of not being able to take it with you, um, Brian Cranston, who is uh, currently doing a show about uh, President Johnson uh, from the United States, uh, obviously, in uh, Broadway. Is, uh, is has speak to, uh, you know spoken about his rumors that he was in the talks to be Luthor, the uh, coming out. So I think um, Brian Cranston spoke about this on the Howard Stern program. Yeah, that's right. He uh, he did say that, uh, and it's you know it's interesting because um, you know there's there were certain websites who were so adamant that Brian Cranston is he's Lex Luthor. You know they're not going to tell you about it. He was approached and. Blah, 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 blah. But he says, yeah, in the minds of the fans, it's true. In the minds of the hierarchy at Warner Brothers, it's not true. He added, I was not involved in any of that whatsoever. 
He says it would have been welcome, don't get him wrong, but he was never involved and it's just not true. And the great thing about this, and, and you know, it's for me to set the record straight, he actually came out long ago and said, no, it's completely a rumor, this is not happening. Uh, we just heard a little bit more detailed explanation on the Howard Stern show and and on there he he kind of uh, he was he was feeling and how he goes through a script process and and that uh, there has to be a certain amount of positives on the Rand Cranston scale of how you decide whether or not you'll, you'll take a role and that Godzilla which he's coming out in very soon was about an 18 mm. which was funny because he said he needed a 20 in order to accept a movie, but I guess he said, but it was Godzilla and it was going to be a big blockbuster, so I thought it was worth it to do. And then he added, when they were talking about Lex Luthor, that that would have been a 20 easy without even having to read anything. Yeah, no, I'm sure he would have welcomed it, like you said, if it had come along, but uh, no, it was never approached, it was not, it never happened. Um, as much as a lot of fans wanted to think that it would happen, uh, he set the record straight, and Brian Cranston... Uh, while it may have made a great Lex Luthor, was uh, never in uh, the running or never approached as far as uh, he was concerned. So uh, that's you know neither here nor there at this point in time because we know that Jesse Eisenberg has been officially cast in the role of Lex Luthor for this upcoming fil film. You know, the other thing he said, which we've said in the past too, is, is that... Uh, I think that the idea that I was an actor who was bald and who played a nefarious character on television uh, kind of went far in the minds of fans who were saying, hey, Lex Luthor's bald and uh, he's kind of nefarious, so it'd be perfect. <laughs> Indeed, uh, very bright and uh, far-reaching in, the, in their uh, ideas, a lot of fans. Uh, so um, that's that's where we stand with that. Um we got this thing in the Oscars. I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did catch uh, the fact that they had a heroes tribute, especially the superheroes and other kind of movie heroes. And Man is still featured quite prominently in that uh, little um, montage of all the different movie heroes we've seen. We heard Russell Crowe's voiceover. We saw Henry Cavill from Man is still in a number of different capacities. Um, your thoughts on it? I didn't actually see it. This is the first time I'm hearing about oh, okay. it, as you bring it up right now. Uh, I'm kind of saddened that I didn't hear about this before and that I haven't watched it, but I, I guess it's probably available on YouTube or, or I can watch it somewhere. Yeah, we did post it on the Superman homepage. I wasn't sure how long it would stay up there. Well, I didn't personally post it on YouTube, but it was a YouTube clip that I found of the telecast. So, um, you know, I'm sure I, I had one previously that I was going to use and then that, it got pulled down for copyright infringement. And so... Uh, obviously, you know, the, the television network there wants it to remain their property and didn't want people posting it on online without their say-so. But uh, Which is strange, uh, and I know it's done all the time, but with a lot of shows, you're going to rerun them. You know, they're going to be available for purchase. No one's ever going to see this again if it's not yeah. available to watch. So it's not like they're going to rerun the Oscars or rerun this at any point. Uh, but the fact that Man of Steel was featured prominently is is definitely good news. And it it kind of... It kind of makes brings into question again how disappointed really were people with Man of Steel. The idea that it's kind of featured prominently on the largest awards, you know, the most important, most prestigious awards show, debatably, in America, the Oscars. 
and 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 Man of Steel is featured when supposedly all these other superheroes are so much more popular and so much more important and so much more going on. It also reminds me of that comic show that was on not too long ago, that three-part I uh, forget which which it was called, but comics something or other, and uh, there was a, there was a, the whole thing was bookended by Superman. Mm. They did a, they they opened it up with Superman, they they closed it down with Superman, and they had Iron Man in there and other heroes and stuff too. But the real dramatic parts and where they put the dramatic music and where they used dramatic closings and openings, it was it was Superman, it was Henry Cavill, and uh, so I I think that a lot of people who are worried, a lot of people who are concerned, and I'm included who have said, well, they clearly weren't that happy. They're clearly worried about it. There's clearly a chance we're not going to get any more because they're doing so many things different on this next movie. Maybe that's not the case. And 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 if it is the case in the studio heads' minds, maybe they need to step back a little bit and see how much of an impact Superman still can have. Yeah, what was interesting is that this tribute uh, had lots of other heroes like Indiana Jones. It you know, had Luke Skywalker. It had... Um, you know, um, Harry Potter. It had a lot of different, you know, uh, heroes from all different facets. You know, it had Iron Man, it had Batman, and it had Batman in a number of different capacities too. But it only used the Man of Steel Superman. I was surprised that they didn't use Christopher Reeve's Superman or they didn't, uh, you, you know, um, show any, you know, previous incarnations of Superman Returns even. None of those were... Only Man of Steel Superman was used where we did get to see, I think it was... Michael Keaton's Batman. We saw, obviously, Christian Bale's Batman. Um, you know, they showed James Bond, and they showed uh, not only um, uh, the latest James Bond, Daniel Craig, but they also showed... Um, what's his name? That uh, The the most famous James Bond, and I can't uh, remember Sean, Sean Connery. Sean, indeed. Uh, so, uh, you know, for the people who said, oh, they're only using the latest versions, that wasn't true for... For those two characters, so I'm not sure why uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman wasn't uh, included as well. Uh, well, not I mean, not only Christopher Reeve, but I guess I guess you could look at it from the point of view that that was a movie, and and some of the other incarnations were TV shows. But as you mentioned, there was also Superman Returns. Now mm -hmm. that wasn't. That wasn't particularly well received, and, mm. and maybe uh, Warner Brothers wouldn't release that footage, and, yeah. and they're still trying to build um, excitement for the new movie coming out, and True. they're still going with Henry Cavill, and they're still backing the continued vision of that universe in whatever whatever form it decides to take in the next film, whatever changes they make, whatever they were or weren't happy with, whatever they stick with or to change a little bit. The idea that for the first time since the Christopher Reeve films – Henry Cavill and, and a Superman that has been cast is going to get another shot at playing him, even if it's not a straightforward sequel, which we don't quite know yet. Um, they are sticking with it for now, so it's probably pretty important to them to keep that vision in people's minds. Indeed. I'm sure that's probably the reason behind it. Now, speaking of Christopher Reeve, uh, uh, what are they called? Hot, uh, is it um, Sideshow Collectibles? have released uh, or are releasing a Christopher Reeve as Superman premium format figure. Uh, this looks quite impressive. Uh, have you checked it out? I did. I saw some of the pictures that, that you have there on the site, and um, it is very impressive. It's um, very um, kind of um, realistic-looking mm -hmm. likeness. Mm -hmm. Uh, more so than the statue that came out last year or yeah. whenever that was, that people kind of had an issue with his face or mm -hmm. thought he looked a little strange. Uh, this is uh, looking really nice and uh, like something that I wouldn't mind uh, owning myself. That's right. We do have a uh, – it's a little bit expensive, a little bit pricey out of the, probably the range of 
you know, most average collectors. Uh, I don't know if I'll... I mean, I'd like it. I didn't get the previous Christopher Eve one, but uh, this is, uh, this is you know, quite nice and, uh, you know, Sideshow Collectibles do a great job. Um, it, there is a link on the side panel of the Superman homepage that uh, rotates with all our other different merchandise that we highlight. Uh, if you'd like to pre-order it uh, from sideshowcollectibles.com, the Superman homepage benefits from you purchasing, purchasing it through the link that is on our site. So, um, you know, we'd, we would appreciate uh, if you are purchasing it that you do it that way. But it's definitely something that looks impressive and uh, I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, Sometimes when they show the the pictures of the um, the the design or the, the you know the the template of what they're going to be using, it doesn't always reflect exactly the ones that are released uh, to the wider public audience uh, on you know for sale uh, at four hundred and twenty four dollars ninety nine. It's a little bit pricey, but it says it features an unmistakable like a lifelike portrait, film accurate, tailored costume, and poseable cape. This remarkable statue captures one of the most fondly remembered depictions of Superman ever committed to the big screen. You know, speaking of changes that are often made or sometimes don't look the way you thought they were going to look, I way back in January or February, I ordered some, uh, I think they were pop figures or one of those brands where they have a whole DC box of them. They have like big fat heads, they're round, right. and they're very colorful, almost cartoony versions. They don't have full faces. They just kind of have eyes and a mouth or eyes and a nose. or They have different looks to them. But right. uh, I ordered one of Jor-El, uh, Superman, and Zod from the Man of Steel movie way back in January or February before they were even released yet. And the release date was supposed to be um, April and then it was pushed back and then it was pushed back again. And then I got an email saying, we'll let you know when it's coming because the date that they said for the second time still isn't going to be out. They then sent me an email saying that it's now, now not being manufactured, which was very, very disappointing. So, uh, you know, the fact that I was disappointed, in that capacity, um, I'd like to just—I'd like just to make a, a suggestion, since you know Steve and myself, and 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 you know obviously many other people, but since I'm speaking for Steve and myself right now, uh, if you're listening out there, and the the idea that that we haven't been able to—we've been disappointed by some things in our life we haven't been able to get. Steve it was the last Christopher Reeve statue. Me, it was the Man of Steel pop figures. If you're listening out there and you want to use this idea, here it is. Go ahead and send that to us for free. <laughs> <laughs> free you are Superman full Premier of great ideas tonight. That one I uh, like the best. You like that one the best? Yeah, well, you know, I, that took me a long time to think that one out. You know, you were talking about how cool it looks and that there's links that people can buy it. And the whole time the wheels were turning over here. I was trying to was formulate a plan. I was wondering yeah. what that smoke was I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could <laughs> smell it through the, uh, through the internets. The Skype smell-o-vision. That's right. <laughs> All right. That's the newest. I was wondering what that update was. Skype was going through <laughs> when I uh, when I fired up the old PC here. All right. Well, uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on, which is kind of movie and TV news together, we don't have much TV news these days, is that the Man of Steel movie will have its premiere on television. Uh, <laughs> um, That's an amazing announcement right there. Well, it is indeed. It will be uh, on HBO in the USA. On Saturday, April fifth. HBO. Oh, sorry. What did I say? You said HBO, and oh. I was just repeating it. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was an echo in the room. 
Oh. And uh, yeah, Saturday, April 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. 9 p.m., 9 p.m. <laughs> in the USA. USA, USA, USA. That's right. Uh, at least it's going to be, it's not technically a TV premiere because HBO is one of the premium channels where they're going right. to show it in its entirety without commercials. Uh, when I first saw that we were going to talk about this, I thought there was an announcement of like a sci-fi premiere or like oh, okay. a TNT premiere where – and I, I was going to say, you know, speaking of antiquated technology like the internets and smoke coming through and new technology like the Skype smell vision it seems like you're going back a ways to, to you know, introduce that a movie's going to be playing on regular TV. Like I wouldn't even – in general, I wouldn't even watch a movie on regular TV. There are so many options now available. Why would I want to watch a, a film with commercials? But uh, – Lucky you, you won't have to do that because it's on HBO and uh, there won't be any commercials. Yeah, I mean, it's not really that big a deal these days because, you know, we get the DVDs, we get the Blu-rays, we even get the uh, um, you know, downloads that you can get onto your iPad or your iPhone or whatever it is, the device that you've got, your tablets, uh, so you can take the movie with you wherever you are without, you know, commercials. So um, uh, even a non-commercial station, you know, showing it, it's not that big a deal, but... I guess people who haven't purchased it, who haven't gone out and bought it, um, and you know do have HBO and haven't seen the film for whatever reason, this could just be another avenue where we can capture a new audience for the movie. Yeah, and when did you uh, did you mention what date that is? Yes, Saturday, April fifth. Mm, I'm going to mark that on my calendar. There it is. It's marked. Excellent. All right, let's move into our comic book discussions. First off, we have mad variant covers coming out from DC Comics. We've seen a number of variant covers of different themes over the last couple of months. Uh, but in April, uh, they'll be releasing mad variant covers. Um, I've always been a bit of a fan of Mad Magazine as a youngster. Um, so uh, good to see Alfred E. Newman uh, on the cover of uh, some Superman comics coming up. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, a draw for you know, kids or somebody who thinks it's silly or the idea that possibly comics will someday be collectible and worth money again. Um, I, I feel like we're past mm. that time now with digital and, and with uh, comics being so uh, mass produced these days. But maybe some of these weird covers um, might have some sort of collectible value at some point. Uh I don't know. Do kids still read Mad Magazine, or is it really for people who were kids who liked it and who are now adults that are still looking at it? Well, how does that work? I don't I, know. I have no idea. I don't know any young people who are reading Mad Magazine or whether or not it's still a draw card for them. It's, they're still selling the magazine, so I guess somebody's buying it, whether or not it's people of our age who used to buy it as a kid who uh, continued on like that. I guess comic books are in the same book. Uh, or the same uh, category there too. I mean, are kids buying comic books anymore or is it just the 30-plus age group who are uh, continuing on reading from uh, when they were, uh, you know, when they first started? It's, it's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what whether the variant covers are that important anymore, whether it's just something interesting, something different to do. Um, you know, we had the Robot Chicken variant covers. We had the Scribble Noughts variant covers. They've also got bombshell variant covers in june which are based on their uh, bombshell series of statues that they've created mostly for their uh for the female uh characters in the dc comics universe but uh i guess it's just a novelty really yeah i mean i think initially obviously through the years you know these companies come up with ways to try and get 
as much money in as they can. And like with Lucasfilm and every other uh, year coming out with a version of Star Wars on videotape <laughs> years ago when one had a Stormtrooper head and one had a Yoda head and you had to collect them all if you truly were a fan and that yeah. kind of thing. I think that's what the comic companies go for. They figure that there are really heavy collectors that must buy everything that has whatever character they like on it. And therefore, if there's five variant covers to Detective Comics number 28, they've got to buy all five covers. Mm. And a lot of times in the comic stores, I've seen comic uh, variant covers that I really like, and the 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 the, the price is fifteen bucks or twenty bucks. So mm -hmm. to even get the variant covers, in a lot of cases, the comic stores are charging you uh, three, four, five, six times the amount of the cover price. Yeah, I wonder if uh, how out of pocket people are with the uh, Superman Unchained variant covers because they've got one for every decade, you know, a golden age and and the nineteen forties, the nineteen fifties, the nineteen sixties, the nineteen seventies. They just got one for every decade, every era: Silver Age, Modern Age, Bronze Age. Uh, you know, variant villain variant. Uh, it's it's just crazy, but uh, I guess there's a market for it. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. Some of those Unchained ones are really nice. Yeah. I like what they were doing. I mean, they don't really tie into the story yeah. at all, but uh, it's neat. They're, it's neat artwork. I might yeah. like them as posters yeah. or, or metal lobby cards, you know, those kind of things. But, sure. uh, you know, I like a lot of the variants. It's just, as I say, you know, they only make they only give each comic shop about five of them or something and um, or less. And so they got to, uh, I guess, hike up the price if people want to buy them. Yeah, it's, it's cool to see the uh, artwork, nevertheless, uh, especially if you're a digital collector, they seem to have them uh, there as, you know, still at the back end of a comic book, so you can still see the the artwork itself, which is pretty cool. But uh, let's move on to actual comic book stories that we've read in the Superman world, and we'll uh, mainly touch on the actual Superman titles, the main titles, the first one being Superman number 8, and in this one, uh, Lois Lane thinks, or thought 20. her powers, yeah, sorry, what did I say? Eight. Oh, 28. Uh, yes. Superman 28, uh, in which Lois thinks her powers have gone, those uh, psionic powers, psychic powers, whatever they were, that Parasite had s supposedly drained from her. Um, and, but there, you know, she still has some lingering abilities there. And Superman finds some weird stained glass window in, in space around uh, the Earth um, in orbit. Um, and uh, as Clark Kent, he uh, has an interesting conversation with uh, both Cat um, Grant and Jimmy Olsen in regards to the PGN uh, network, the, the owner of the Daily Planet, wanting to buy out ClarkAtropolis.com. Yes, of course. And, uh, well, we can't ever have our, our Clark Kent become a millionaire, so he has to say no. And it actually is in character in this, in this case anyway because mm -hmm. – um, as he says to Cat in the story, we, we, we left the Daily Planet because this guy was screwing with the news to begin with. Why would we go ahead and sell our our new thing to the same guy that we were trying to get away from in the first place? Mm. Uh, and, and, and this whole Jimmy thing with him being rich is really weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. And, and, and have you ever seen a more mis mismatched pair of quote-unquote best friends that Jimmy said he has to get back to his best friend, uh, which I don't remember ever actually seeing any real relationship there other than them knowing each other. But I know he was there and he lived in his apartment for a while and apparently he's back again. Uh, he's kind of the goofy Jimmy Olsen that they, that 
we used to see, except now he's rich. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, there's an interesting story, I guess, there for Jimmy that really hasn't played out so much, but uh, that uh, one that I'd be you know, interested to follow to see how he deals with his position. Um, but you're right, we haven't seen too much of his relationship with Superman to for them to be best friends and for them to... We haven't really seen much of Clark, really. I mean, we, we are still relatively new in the era of New 52 as far as building those types of stories of concern and finding out the relationships between the characters and such. So it would be nice to see some stories about, uh, you know, focusing on the uh, Metropolis crew of, you know, Jimmy, Perry, Lois, Clark, Cat, uh, whoever else is uh, around. So, um, but, uh, yeah, and I'm wondering what's going to go on with this stained glass window that's, you know, obviously that's a story waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> it was definitely very weird, you know. Uh, kind of when you of left field. When you find in, in science fiction stories, when you find a gateway or a, hmm. a black hole or, a, you know, whatever it is, it's not generally in the disguise of a, a, a church-built stained glass window uh, floating in, in, in actual space. Um, and, of course, he had his uh, purple-haired scientist friend yeah. come out there and they were both speaking in the middle of space. So that was that's always good when that happens. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I guess that's a comic thing. And, uh, for a while, somebody came up with the idea of actually having them with face masks and communicators so that they could talk to each other. But it seems like they've decided to, uh, not do that anymore. Now, is this the book where, um, some characters come through at the end and start threatening people and, uh, uh or is that something else? I can't start coming through where? Uh, some gateways or something was there. I I remember this from somewhere. Is that in the uh, action comics that we're going to discuss next? Um, perhaps I remember something in an Adventures of Superman comic where there were uh, aliens from outer space threatening Earth, but um, I'm not sure. I have to have to go back and have a look at Superman number twenty eight. It's been a while. You know, I guess Superman number twenty nine's almost out so it is has been three or four weeks since superman number 28 come out but uh, let's let's talk about action comics number 29 uh which which saw the uh well you know this continuation of the subterranean story with uh superman and lana lang and uh they've come to the surface and these little guys as they call them that were cute little furry creatures uh once they've gone into the sunlight and into exposed to Earth's atmosphere or however that works, they've uh, become less than little guys. But uh, the ghost, the ghost soldier, who's a, a somewhat interesting character, um, kills the whole lot of them, uh, much to Superman's dismay and Lana Lang's dismay. And uh, sadly, our friend, the monster who is a little boy, Bakar or whatever, he, however you pronounce that, uh, has to go back to Subterranea and Superman's. Pretty heartbroken at the, you know, at the necessity to to have him go, and so is the, so is his little, his his new friend. Yeah, I uh, I've been enjoying this story, and we talked about it before in terms of um, really being in character for Superman and wanting to protect everybody and and wanting to make sure that uh, people aren't having their rights violated, even if they're weird subterranean creatures that. Yeah. Uh, aren't really a part of regular everyday society. Uh, Superman stands up for everyone, and, and we've always known that about our character, and it's one of the reasons those of us who are big fans are big fans. And in some of the in continuity books, a lot of the writers seem to forget about that. We talked about 
Superman allowing the parasite to drain Lois, even though it might be a risk to her because he wanted to protect his own secret identity Mm -hmm. in uh, the Superman, whatever it was, 26 through 28 stories where the parasite was in town and Lois had her powers. And in this story, we we see a completely different um, version of Superman, almost as if they really are two separate continuities when I don't think, in fact, that they are. But uh, we see... You know, Superman here really being Superman, in my opinion. But then there's a panel I I think I understood, but maybe I'm confused. He says uh, to himself and to us in the narration, Mm. um, I should say something, but I can't even figure out what to say based on what I'm about to do. And then uh, two pages later, he destroys all of the military aircraft and we don't see anyone parachuting and we don't see him take any soldiers down to earth and we don't see any survivors. So I'm wondering if in his heartbreak and his, his remark that he couldn't really come up with something to say about what he was about to do meant that he planned to just kill them for what had, what, what was going on and what they were daring to do. Yeah, it may just be one of those uh, cliffhanger-type endings where it appears as though something's happening one way and it's to get you, you know, the, the whole shock and awe, you know, effect. And then when they come back next chapter or next issue, they uh, show you that what you saw wasn't necessarily what was actually happening. Yeah, that's probably uh, uh, very – could be very likely. Um, going back to, to – uh, Superman 28, I guess it's health, uh, Starfire that comes through at the end, and uh, I think she's one of the ravers or something, and mm-hmm. they were kind of building up on that. So I don't know that she's related to the window. I see now that there are – they seem to be on a Metropolis street maybe, but I, I saw the black sky, and I thought they were in space, and I thought maybe she had come through the window, and I'm not really familiar with Starfire, so no. I, I didn't really know who she was or where she came from. Uh, and that page with the ravers just threw me out of the story, and I, I wasn't really sure what it had to do with what we were looking at or what they were even talking about or why it's in this story. So uh, I don't know if you know or or what, but it just seemed like that page and then, of course, the I'm going to get you Superman page at the end, which we've seen in so many comics over and over again, Superman kind of looking over his shoulder and behind him off to the left a little bit is the next week's villain or the next month's mm. villain, who in this case is, I guess, a hero generally. But uh, I'm not sure what this has to do with the story we're reading, but I guess this is where we're going next, a crossover of some kind. Yeah, they always throw in these little things that either a crossover from another comic book or they want you to read some other comic, and, and so they throw in a page there that has you... You know, or for, to see what happened and to see what happens next. You know, follow Starfire in you know uh, Ravages number seven hundred and fifty-six and a half. Um, <laughs> so you know, who knows what's uh, what's happening there? I guess it's one of those threads that we hope they pick up on uh, in the cu- upcoming issue. And in Action 29, of course, mm-hmm. we have almost the same exact thing. You know, he imprisons Ghost Soldier, he uh, flies to Tower, and. Uh, is I guess going to going to crash through there and put them out of business, and then there's another seemingly phantom soldier type that you can see through uh, a female who says doesn't even matter what he knows or what he's seen, nothing can prepare him for me, which is the final page <laughs> again, and another kind of cliched villain archetype statement that gets made at the end on the last page of yeah. comic after comic after comic throughout 50 years of history. 
Yeah, uh, so uh, again, one of those things that they throw in there. So to make sure that you come back next time. Um, Batman, Superman, annual number one. Uh, annuals used to be a real big thing of the past and every comic would get one and uh, you know they're still usually big events they you know usually have a few more pages than a standard issue uh, but the Batman Superman title gets uh, its first annual and I didn't actually I, I, I quite like this story it, you know, the whole war world thing you know each each of the you know Superman and Batman needing to take um, you know, uh, uh, their clan with them to defend their honour or whatever it might be on Warworld and the way that played out and, you know, the little kind of twists and turns along the way you thought that Steel and Supergirl were going to be, uh, you know, Superman's choice. Where Steel came from, I still have no idea. Uh, but it ended up being Crypto who, you know, came along for the for the ride and the uh, same thing with the Batman side of thing, you know, was supposed to be... Um, you know, uh, Nightwing and um, and Batgirl, but um, you know, it, it ended up being that uh, the the villain himself became part of Batman's squad. So it kind of it didn't go the way you thought it would. I think it was Batman's. It seemed seemed to me that it was Batman's plan to try and uh, get him turned around and get right. him on their side, so that uh, maybe they could get out of this without a lot of deaths, which which seemed to be the important thing at the time. And yep. uh, uh, the weird thing for me is this is another title that's kind of in continuity, but kind of not. You know, at one point, Wonder Woman's saying, you need to take me because I'm the warrior of the group. And Superman says he needs her on Earth because she's the warrior of the group. In case this goes wrong, she he needs somebody there to make sure she can fight back the hordes. Um, and, and they put a little box at the bottom saying this all takes place before the current issues of Wonder Woman, whatever they are. Mm. But uh, but but we've been told that this is an out of continuity and kind of otherworldly version of Batman and Superman. But in this case, it seems like it's not. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. And also, uh, this came up when we were talking about the uh, Day of Doom titles or whatever it is that are coming out with the return of Doomsday in a few months. And it's it it's kind of throwing me off because. I know based on the press announcements when the new 52 is being launched and I, I know based on everybody being up in arms about Batman's continuity that because Batman was the bestseller and because they didn't want to do it, do anything to possibly hurt that, they said Batman's continuity is going to be kept intact. Everybody else is being relaunched, but everything you know about Batman is still what you know about Batman. He still had all the Robins. Everything happened the way it happened. And in this, in this case, we see that with Red Hood because we get the whole uh, Robin died. and But, see, you know, I'm not that familiar with a whole lot of Batman stories, mm -hmm. but I know this one. And I know that uh, Robin was killed and then he returned later on as Red Hood. And he's this murderous uh, killer vigilante who goes around and Batman is uh, completely against that, which we see in this story. But then we also see... Both Supergirl and Superman acting like they care about each other, which doesn't happen in the regular books. Um, she hates him in the regular books. Superboy kind of died, and now they're saying that if he if he is dead, which uh, I don't know where that's coming from either. But I said last month, I, I believe it was last month, there was really no honoring of Superboy. He died or didn't die or whatever it was that happened at the end of that, and he's kind of just been forgotten about. But here we are, and then in an alternate title that doesn't really have a place in current continuity, but 
we we see them kind of feeling for Superboy in a way that we didn't see in the actual story proper. Mm. And Supergirl acting like Supergirl should act and Superman and Supergirl acting the way they should act together, which hasn't been happening in the regular books and seems to come out of left field and really have no place in the current attitudes and personalities of the heroes that we read every month. Yeah, you're right. There is a disconnection there between certain titles and the continuity seen in other titles, and uh, you know, I, I think they're they're treading water a little bit and keeping their nose just above the the waterline with certain things. You know, with these little boxes they try to put in the corners, telling you this happened before this or this happened, you know, after this, and so you know, trying to fit it in where it doesn't really fit in. I mean. Batman Superman doesn't really fit in with the other books. Uh, Superman and Action Comics are trying to tie in together at the moment and uh, seem to be in continuity a little bit. Um, you know, the Supergirl books at the moment, she's a Red Lantern, so how that fits in and, uh, you know, where it just doesn't... There is a real disconnection there. And then you throw in Superman Unchained, which has so much, uh, you know, delay, so many delays that it's impossible to figure out if it fits in anywhere, if at all. <laughs> and so it's just crazy, but it, it, they're trying, but I don't think it's working. Well, here you have, uh, you know, Supergirl, as you mentioned, is a Red Lantern at the moment, and that's that's the that's the Lantern core that's full of angst and anger and disdain for everything, and they use that in order to power themselves, and that's what Supergirl's kind of been all about from mm. the very beginning. So it totally makes sense that uh, the Red Lantern Corps might be interested in someone like her and that she might be interested in something like the Red Lantern Corps. But in this story, let's say it, it takes place long before, uh, well, it can't have take, taken place long before the whole return to Krypton thing because they do discuss that Superboy is dead. And the yep. very next thing that happens is Supergirl is uh, tempted by the, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> it is, it's a lot to choke on. Yes, <laughs> she's tempted by the red ring and goes over. So there wasn't even any time in between those two stories to say, well, she had a change of heart and now she respects Superman and wants to take advice from him and wants to listen to him. And and uh, and, and, and here in this story, we don't see any of that angst. We don't see any of that attitude. And it, and they act they act as they did before the new 52 relaunch where they were really related and they really cared about each other and she was like a little sister or a little daughter that he was helping to show the way which has not been the case in the new 52 at all and i've mentioned this many times but it really is a point that sticks in my uh in my craw and that is that uh, you know he he he's superman and he's supposed to show care for everyone and you would think that this 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 kind of lost girl from from his world that doesn't have any friends and doesn't know where to turn and really needs guidance and help and is having a lot of trouble and doesn't get any from Superman. And in, and in this book, as I said, they almost seem like they're reset to the previous DCU counterparts where they did like each other and they did get along and everything was fine. Mm. So that's the thing that really stood out to me. But I did like the book and I, I've been saying that for a while. I really like the slightly more artistic realistic art vibe that they got going on yeah. in this book and uh whereas i don't like the action comics artwork really at all but i do like the story batman and superman the batman superman book tends to be more complicated mm. with a lot of things going on a lot of jumping around a lot of time stuff a lot of other dimension stuff 
and not a whole lot of realism in terms of where they're at at any point. They're never really on the streets of Metropolis or yeah, yeah. Hang, hanging out at a bar. You know, they're always in these massive universe shattering situations. Yeah, and it plays out well. They, you know, it keeps you entertained. It's, um, you know, it's not realistic, but it still has that sense of, you know, epicness and, uh, you know, being a uh, well-told story. You know, the, the, all the kind of the the fibres of the story are well entwined and uh, they're doing a good job on that title, even if it doesn't fit into continuity and they're trying to fit it into continuity. But I guess you just enjoy the story being told and uh, try to leave continuity out as much as you can and not let it uh, destroy the story for you or, or ruin the story for you that that particular writer is trying to tell. Now, I, I know you haven't read Superman Wonder Woman number six, which is the continuation of the Superman and Wonder Woman versus Zod and Feyora story. Uh, the uh, review on the Superman homepage by T.A. Hewitt caused a little bit of controversy, um, mainly because of you know his stance on the whole Wonder Woman-Superman relationship. He's not a big fan of, of that. It feels like that's, it's a forced a relationship, that they're more like siblings in the way that they connect and rather than being, you know, love interests that they are, while they are similar in certain ways, they are more disconnected in others. And, you know, Superman is more Clark Kent where uh, Wonder Woman, you know, Diana is more Wonder Woman. So it doesn't really uh, work for them in his opinion. But uh, in this story, what was a little bit controversial was that while Superman and Wonder Woman fought well and tried to, and actually defeated Zod and Feora, they were uh, enhanced and repowered uh, by, um, what's his name, the God of the Sun um, in uh, Wonder Woman's world, who Superman had a previous run-in with. And uh, so that brought Zod and Feora back to full power because they were, uh, you know, re-imbued with with sunlight and uh, ended up defeating Superman and Wonder Woman. But to defeat Zod and Feora back... Uh, Superman and Wonder Woman used uh, Wonder Woman's sword uh, using Superman's guidance to pierce atoms in this nuclear shelter that they were in uh, to cause a nuclear explosion to destroy the, uh, the, the equipment that Zod and Feora were trying to build to open up the Phantom Zone and let out the hordes of, the, of villains that uh, were trapped in the Phantom Zone. And to stop that, as I said, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman created a nuclear explosion on this island uh, to um, to stop that. And uh, we don't know if they've survived that explosion. Oh, that sounds very interesting. A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, I think with the Superman and Wonder Woman relationship that you were talking about before, mm-hmm. I think uh, your reviewer is right. And I think, um, you know, he has a point in terms of, the differences between them that would preclude them from really having a relationship. And I think that's been explored to some extent. It's been mentioned by both of them how different they are. And it's been mentioned specifically by Wonder Woman a number of times that she can't understand why he would keep going back to Clark when uh, when he's Superman and he's the most powerful person on the planet. And, uh, and, and he could he could really have a great life if he if he was just as Superman with her and, and, and doing his thing as Superman. And I think in the end, and, and the thing is with continuity, with, with books and with years that go by, you know, in our lives, we, Superman's been around almost 80 years or something, 75, 76 years. And, 
these stories in his life now could be taking place in two months time but three years have gone by since Mm -hmm. the launch of the new 52 so 10 years from now five years from now when in our lives it's five years when they break up and they start to explore the lowest thing if they if that's what they do it may have only been you know they're not now in their 40s they're still Mm going to be the same exact age that they were you know the same thing happens with big bird on sesame street every year (laughs) he has a sixth birthday Uh, he never they don't age these characters and and generally you don't see that happen you know in the dark knight trilogy we did see the christian bale bruce wayne getting older and, and having these injuries and having knee problems and back problems and issues because they were trying to go for that kind of thing and what if batman you know was a real guy in our world and and as he got old, i mean how long would he really be able to be batman the the, the things you see him do and the things you see him take part of you know, in 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 real world scenarios, he'd be able to fight once, <laughs> and and he'd be so injured and so damaged, and so many muscles would be torn and destroyed that he'd be you know he'd be incapacitated. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of times I look at him as like an athlete, where you're, you're like a hockey player or a football player, and they get maybe five six good years, and and since Batman, the things Batman does are maybe ten or twenty times more strenuous than a football player. I think he would have even less than that, maybe not 10 or 20 times less, but it would be very hard to have a sustained 10 or 15 year career as Batman. But, uh, and the same thing, you know, goes for all the heroes in terms of they don't age. So there will be, have you know, when they get around to them breaking up, which will happen, you know, mark my words, um, they will break up. I believe that only a year or less will have gone by, you know, it will have been a, a flight of fancy it will have been a fling it will have been a what if we could have made this work thing and their differences will be what um drive them apart and what have all has already driven them apart to to some extent you can see that there's some tension there Mm. when they uh you know when they talk about that sort of thing so i don't i don't think he's wrong but i think maybe Maybe looking at it in a different way would be it's part of the story and it's part of the drama and the idea that they are going to explore that and they have begun to explore that already. Yeah, and there's no problem. I have no problem with them exploring the whole Superman, Wonder Woman relationship because it's been something that people have speculated on for many years uh, and it's not something that's been dealt with in any great detail. So I'm fine with them exploring that. You know, yes, I would like, yes, I mean, Superman and Lois Lane are, you know, the it couple they've always been the thing that's you know for 75 years it's been she's been superman's love interest there have been others like lana lang and laurie lamaris and others uh but it's never been explored in this wonder woman relationship so uh, you know i'm happy for them to go down that track because if there's been one complaint from a lot of people it's oh they keep doing the same stories just modernizing more doing them with a new twist and there's nothing new they're just rehashing old silver age stories and modernizing them Yet here we're doing something different. We're trying to we're exploring the Superman Wonder Woman dynamic and seeing if how that would work out. And people are complaining, no, they're not supposed to be together. It's supposed to be him and Lois Lane. So look, give it a chance. It's just a story. It's not going to change the world. It's not going to uh, be. It's not the be all and end all. Um, you might not agree with it. It might not last. It may well last. Who knows how long it will last? If uh, if you know, if they end up breaking up, it's just, it's just part of the story. It's part of the character's growth, and it's good for them to try something new and and explore new story ideas. 
And I've also said this before. I actually think it makes complete sense that Superman and Wonder Woman would be attracted to each yeah. other. They stand for sort of the same things. They're they're somewhat on equal footing in terms of power levels. And you would think, you know, who else would Wonder Woman be able to be with? Another another god type figure from mm. from her Greek world, or or another, uh, you know, some people want Batman. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that that's who you would first go to. Now, that may end up later when this relationship ends. But, uh, you know, when you see that you are the two most powerful male and female people on the planet, exactly. that seems to be where you would go. So yeah. I think yeah. it makes sense as far as it being forced. Yeah, they wanted to do it. But I could also see from the character's point of view that that, that would be something that could happen. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, Superman Unchained is another comic book that I have read, and I know I, uh, I you haven't had a chance to look at it yet. And there was a nuclear uh, explosions, or not? Well, there were explosions in this, but uh, nuclear warheads were launched. All I think it was three hundred and thirteen of them, or something like nine hundred and thirty. Something. There was a large number. All the nuclear warheads across Earth have been launched, and um, Wraith and Superman disagree about how to go about uh, stopping that and saving. You know who they should save and what the priority is, and uh, Lois is involved there. And uh, it's uh, look, it's an interesting story. It's just my problem with Superman Unchained is I love the story. It's really well written, really well drawn, but the, the delays are, are just absolutely killing this book. Uh, Superman Unchained number six was supposed to come out in December, and here we are, March. Why? Why is the de- so much delay? Let me try and count this out. I'm, you know, I'm no mathematician. Let me see. If if it's March now, and then it was supposed to come out in December, then we had uh, a January, February. That's like that's like three months late. Yeah. If well, if you call it include December, yeah, that's four. Oh my goodness. <laughs> see, I'm no good at math, but yeah, um, I, I I have no. I I think I seem to remember nuclear missiles being launched at the. Was it like a cliffhanger at the end of five? Uh, um, no, no, it wasn't. They weren't. I don't think they were launched out at the end of five. This, uh, I thought I remember. No, I, uh, remember. Ba- I thought I remember Batman calling him yeah. and saying, uh, "There's an issue," and and this has something to do with the nuclear weapons. Yeah, and yeah. he said, "How many?" And he said, "All of them." Yeah, well, I think uh, that's the beginning of this book. So that may have been a preview that you saw. Okay, okay, maybe. Um, but uh, it's definitely very dramatic. It's very uh, exciting. It's very cool. And how are they going to deal with this? Uh, sort of way but yeah I, I as i said i seem to remember some things but now you're saying that that might have been a preview i've read so i don't even know the one thing i remember i think pretty clearly from unchained was the building falling down and i think that was in the very first one where i thought it was really cool the way he came up with a way to save everyone in the building but uh i don't really understand i don't i guess i i understand you know you yourself mentioned that it has this great quality and it looks great great and the story is great and it's it's well written and well drawn and and that may be the reason why there's such a delay so the question then ends up being do we want to stop such great quality and stop such great stories or do we want to do we want to have these kind of delays to have maybe the best drawn and best written superman book out there yeah i don't know what the solution is i just I think if something's out of continuity and it's just on its own thing and it's doing its own thing and it's only going to be a nine-issue run or whatever it's supposed to be, then get them in the can first, publish them on a monthly basis, and move on. Uh, you know, why, if if you can't get them all done, you can't get them done on time, 
don't drag people out three, four months between issues. I, I, I think it's it's hurtful. Oh, of course, it's definitely hurtful. I just wonder if it's if it's worth it in the end to have a complete story one through nine or, or whatever it is. And it was supposed to be an ongoing when it was first announced. But I think they've ran into so many issues and so much trouble and so much delay that they've decided that it's no longer worth it to pursue this project. But if, if the, if, if, if the quality is at such a, such a higher standard than the rest of the books, the reason may be because they are taking too much time and taking too long. But the trade-off there is that you then get that higher quality. So I think it's a very, you know, look at a book like, like Action Comics. It's a very coloring book-ish. Like it looks like um, those 99-cent coloring books you buy for your kids. Very quickly drawn um, faces, very quickly drawn characters and backgrounds. You know, a tree with a bush on top of You know, just like a very simple kind mm, of not, not very detailed mm. Uh, but uh, but it comes out on time and it's done quick and it, it's not complicated, so it doesn't take them long to do it. And so whereas you might criticize that type of artwork, maybe they're doing that on purpose because it helps them to stay on track. Yeah. And on the other hand, I think that I think the Superman artwork is very detailed and very much more realistic, and uh, that is also on time. So I'm not sure what the deal is with Unchained. Uh, would you say that it is any more – a higher standard of quality than 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 other books. Well, I guess the sales say so because Superman Unchained number six has gone to the top of the sales charts uh, on its release. So I guess people are uh, thinking that it is of good enough quality or better, you know, the best quality available, and both in story and art, and that's why it's selling. So maybe that's why w- they're happy with the delay. When you look at something like that, maybe. Maybe there's something to be said for absence making the heart grow fonder. I mean, maybe people <laughs> people are so excited that it's finally out after a three month wait that they're buying it in droves. Whereas you know it might have been more dribs and drabs uh, if it came out on time. You know, somebody would buy it here, and mm. some people would buy yeah. it later, or maybe get around to it digitally or whatever. Now everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's finally out! I got to get out there! I got to get it!" Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll wait and see when number seven comes out. That should be interesting. But uh, that's our discussion topics. Let's move into our big question segment. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what do you think about Jesse Eisenberg being cast as Lex Luthor? And we've had a number of responses. First off, uh, Martin Gray wrote, My previous open mind on actors vanishes with Jesse Eisenberg. No matter what the part, I find him an annoyingly smug screen presence. I even walked out of Zombieland. So annoying he was. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I liked him in Zombieland. I never saw the Facebook movie, and I didn't see that magician movie. So I don't really think I know him that well. I haven't seen him in a lot. I just know the type that they normally cast. And actors strive very... Um, to, to different differing degrees to try and not be typecast. Yeah. I just think he came out uh, and as an actor, as the guy who gets cast as kind of a smug, um, uh, sarcastic presence, and and that could work in some aspects of Luthor. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I love Zombieland, but uh, I, I hear what you're saying, Martin. Yeah, well, thanks, Martin, for your response there. Donovan H. wrote, I think he's perfect. They found someone around the same age as Henry Cavill, and that's why I think he's going to work. Keep up the awesome work, Steve and Scotty. Oh, thank you, Donovan, and thank you for your response. 
a positive response yes. for uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Patrick O'Neill wrote, I'm going to wait and see. I could see Jesse doing an excellent job, but I could also see it not being great as well. I'm not one for knee-jerk reactions, so I'm going to withhold judgment until I see the movie. I will say this I will say this casting came out of left field for me. What do you know? Someone, Patrick's actually taking a uh, very reasonable and measured response. Uh, that's unlike fans. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in general, I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, as we've seen with many uh, examples in the past, you can't really know until the movie comes out. Mm. Um, uh, for me, the disappointment, I think, was in that I can I can pretty much see that we're not going to get the Luthor that I was looking forward to seeing. But that doesn't mean that Eisenberg won't do uh, a good job with whatever it is they're going for. Yeah. Now, Stephen Marshall wrote in and he says, Hi, guys. Love the site and the podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Having had some time to think about it, I think Eisenberg could end up blowing us away in the same way Heath Ledger did as the Joker. He was another actor controversially cast way back when, and we all know how that turned out. I'm hoping by his age that there'll be a backstory where it shows that he and Clark have a past in high school. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for your Thanks. comments. Thanks, Stephen. That's one of my problems, and that is that we just had 10 years of Smallville where uh, Lex Luthor and Clark Kent had a past, uh, if not in high school, but around the high school years. Yep. And Jesse Eisenberg is more a Michael Rosenbaum type mm. than you know another Lex Luthor that might have been cast. So a lot of it almost looks like um, they're, they might end up going for kind of a small villain vibe, and, and I just don't know that we need more of that when we had 10 years of it. But on the other hand, lots of fans want more Smallville and, and want it to be connected in, in, in more closely knit ways. So it could be the best way to go. Who knows? Mm, who knows? Argent L wrote, hey, Steve and Scotty. So Jesse Eisenberg is Luther. No problem for me. Although, Scotty, I think you've been robbed. <laughs> Uh, I think he's a great actor, and this is something we've not really seen from him before, so it makes it exciting. What I really want to know is who will play Otis. <laughs> and yes, Steve, it's nice to get more Superman-related casting. Well, thank you, uh, Argent. Uh, I, I also think I've been robbed, but uh, you know, wh what are you going to do with the yeah. greatest criminal mind of our time? Ah, well, we'll just have to bide your time, Scotty. I'm sure your time will come. Yes, maybe the next uh, the next relaunch of uh, Lex Luthor. <laughs> He'll be a seventy year old nemesis for uh, for Superman. You go the opposite uh, and I'll direction. be ready then. Uh, yeah. Superman. Let's see. The new big question this month is Superman and Wonder Woman, or Superman and Lois. Send us your thoughts. Yeah, let us know which uh, you prefer, which relationship you prefer, why. Uh, all your thoughts on that. We've had a bit of a discussion earlier in the Superman Wonder Woman comic book talk. So let us know your thoughts on the new big question, Superman and Wonder Woman or Superman and Lois Lane. Get involved with the big question by filling out the big question form found at the Superman homepage, and we will read out all the responses in our next podcast. I feel like one of those two is going to get no responses, <laughs> but I won't say which. Okay. <laughs> Time for our Superman comedy sketch, Steve. Yes, and we have a top ten list from David Letterman, the David Letterman, uh, the Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, did a lot of top ten uh, comedy things that uh, listing off different things. And here in a uh, episode, he did top ten little known facts about Superman. Have a listen. Uh, the category, ladies and gentlemen, little known facts about Superman. Now here's a story. 
every American, everybody worldwide loves and knows the story of, of Superman, yeah. but still even with all, all we know about Superman, there are little known facts about him uh, because uh, he's enigmatic. We know he's from Krypton. Uh, we know his uh, uh, family up there. And then he... Uh, <laughs> 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 and we... His family. Yeah. They're tremendous people. <laughs> they, <laughs> And then Krypton blew up, and, and uh, Superman found himself here in the, the United yeah. States. Yeah. And since then, he's been uh, protecting the world, and it's a story you can't hear enough of, and the many facets, many viewpoints. Anyway, here are little-known things now uh, the, about Superman that we didn't know. Little-known facts. Right. You'll be surprised. Yeah. You're a big Superman fan. Well, I thought fan. I knew everything about no, it. No, probably not. No. Here we go, a little known facts about Superman. Did the thing open? Yes, it did. Okay. It did. Uh, number 10. S on his suit stands for suit. No, I did not know that. Number 9. His father, Jor-El, his brother, Purel. I did not know that either. I did not know no, that. I was not aware of that. Number 8. Works at the Daily Planet for the health insurance. Number 7. Can't fly anywhere without connecting in Atlanta. Number six. Secretly enjoys dressing as Wonder Woman. Number five. Owes super strength to anti-aging clinic in Miami. Number four. On average day, three collisions with geese. Number three. Number three, once sneezed and froze his dog. Number two, with phone booths disappearing, now changes in Starbucks. And the number one little-known fact about Superman, once had to call doctor because Man of Steel lasted for four hours. So... Well, there you have it. Some funny stuff there. <laughs> oh, you think of that, Paul? Good, good stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, let's move into. I've always liked Letterman, and of course, the top ten. You know, sometimes I get the idea that he really—he's not really all that into the top ten anymore. But it's something he has to do because it's something people are waiting <laughs> for. And he—it's almost like, oh, okay, it's time Here for the top go. ten. Uh, super secret sound by time now. Yes. Last last month's sound came from the opening theme to the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure cartoons from the 1960s. Those must have been great. They always fight for what is right. Live with danger and adventure. They are men of might. Only one person was able to guess correctly where it was from, and that was Dave Booth. Good job, Dave. Yeah, well done, Dave. Uh, not a common a theme that's commonly heard, so uh, to hear the uh, opening theme of that and be able to uh, guess where it was from it was uh, well done. So uh, congratulations, Dave. Now let's hear our new super secret soundbite for this month. Well, one thing's for sure. Nobody's going to be looking at your face. Well, there you have it. Do you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from? If you do, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. 
I think the super secret soundbike from this month is actually from the already released audio version of Superman Unchained number seven, which actually came out today, only a few short days <laughs> after Superman Unchained number six came out. Right, and who's the voice actors in that? Uh, Scotty V. <clears> oh <throat> uh, yes, 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 exactly, Scotty V. And uh, Steve plays a uh, a role. His name is Steve, and he runs a website. Wow, and he's from somewhere down south. Very, very uh, south, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into our Superman song. Oh, this month's Superman song. It's a good one you found. It's Super Superman. That's like that's like a an extra super super. That's like a Double super, Superman. Super, Superman. Uh, and it's by Miguel Bose or Bose, released as a single in 1979. Wow, that's quite a long time ago. Miguel's a Panamanian singer and actor who became immensely popular despite his diverse sty- styles, political stances, and unorthodox film roles. Yeah, this is a, uh, a bit of a disco track from 1979. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, you, you, it's surprising what can get released and what has been released uh, in the pop charts over the years. But here is Super Superman.
Well, there you have it. And that uh, is our uh, show. Uh, uh, stand alive. <laughs> yeah, a bit like stand that. Alive. That is our show for another month. Uh, remember, if you have a topic you think Scotty and I need to discuss, is there a big question you'd like us to ask the fans? Uh, is there a comedy sketch or a Superman song you'd like to request heard here on our podcast? Well, all those suggestions can be sent to us using our KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage. Or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. Or you can contact Scotty at scotty at supermanhomepage.com. And we will try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, everybody, not that I want to skew your decision on this month's big question, but when I spin around, you can see my star-spangled underpants. You've been listening to Radio KL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.